Greetings, my nerds, and welcome to the Northwest Nerd Podcast, where we cover pop culture, science, and technology from a Pacific Northwest focus. My name is Nick Jarin. And I am Dyersaurus Rex Oxley. On today's magazine... You'll understand that later. (laughs) On today's magazine episode, we will get into some nerdy headlines, including a bill that could possibly create Washington State's official state dinosaur. Dyer and I actually disagree on this, which is kind of it was hot. It was heated. We will also get into uh, some Avengers Endgame news, especially the ridiculous three-plus-hour runtime. After that, Dyer will take us down to Portland to a wonderful nerdy spot down there known as the Nerd Out, home of, so they claim, the best Manhattan in the city. We'll get into it in the piece. But before that, let's get into the news. Dyer, let's get into the news this week. It's good to have you. Uh, it, it feels good to be back for a magazine episode. Yes. I don't know why it feels this way, but it feels like we haven't done one of these in a while. Maybe it's because the last one was pre-Emerald City Comic Con. I wanted to start with the deluge of Avengers Endgame stuff that's been coming out. Yeah. So let's start with really quickly. There's the uh, there's the trailer that came out, I guess, a couple weeks ago now. And there's some news around that as well. But really quickly, your reaction to the trailer first. Let's do that. If you haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, too bad. I guess that's one of my first things because I always try to keep that secret. The last couple out seconds there. will be confusing. Yeah, exactly. I always try to keep that you know secret alive as much as possible because some folks don't get to see the f- film yet. Um, Captain Marvel is going to be an end game. Um, Do you think that was a mistake to put the release date so quickly together? No, like the tight turnaround there. I think they're milking it. Yeah. I the other thing that my other response to it though is that everybody is freaking out over Endgame and all that so much. I think uh, all the good reviews Shazam is getting is kind of getting dwarfed <laughs> in it. It's just getting like swallowed up. And people yep. are like, no, everybody seriously, DC made a good movie, and everybody's like, yeah, but Endgame. Yeah, there was like one day on Twitter where that that was the mood. You're like, no, seriously, Shazam is might be the best DC movie ever. Yeah, well, and then it, <laughs> the bar's pretty low away. there yeah, well. for that one. Um, no, uh, this does. Con- I mean, if you saw Captain Marvel, you 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 already know exactly what's going to happen in the next Endgame film. She's, She's going to show up. Yeah. He's coming. Uh, which have I actually told you what I think is going to happen? So they're like probably. The th- have you seen Captain Marvel yet? Yeah. Okay. Have I told you my the pieces I've put together? Can, can we talk about spoilers a little bit or? Um. Just let's let's. Ca- I'm gonna set a clock on you. That way people can fast forward if they don't want to hear it. Just hit the forward thirty seconds button like three times. Okay. okay. Go. Dire prediction. All righty. Oh, you're showing me a timer. <laughs> Go, man. Okay, so here's how this is going to work. The vision throughout all these films has been pointing at his forehead going like, you know, I've been thinking about this thing a lot, quite a bit. And it's the stone. He said that he's pretty sure if you hit it with an energy that resonates at the same frequency, it will lose structural integrity. Basically, if you shoot it with energy that matches its own frequency, it will be destroyed. And that is a infinity stone, one of them, right? Well, now we realize that Captain Marvel is essentially created by... Is it the space stone, the tes- tes- tesseract. tesseract? Yeah. So the tesseract, space stone, space stone, uh, fueled and did 
some stuff with the whole Lightspeed Drive. Lightspeed Drive can, you know, made Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel has photon uh, beams that shoot out of her hands. And so I think somehow in this, Captain Marvel is going to be used to destroy the quote unquote structural integrity of one of the stones, maybe the space stone, something like that. But I don't know if that's going to be like the big solution or whatever, but that is how they are going to end up. Uh, they're going to use it somehow in Endgame. It's going to come in very helpful. This has been a dire prediction. There we go. All safe. All safe again. Welcome okay. back, everybody who the, skipped ahead. The timer helps. <laughs> the timer helps, right? Yeah. It stressed you out, but you uh, you got it, it done. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. That seems that seems spot on. That almost seems so obvious that like I was wondering why Vision <laughs> keeps keeps talking about it. I've been thinking about this in my head and but yeah. like yeah, okay. Like why do you keep talk like I don't know. You want my reaction to the uh, Avengers trailer? What was it? What is going on with everyone's hair? <laughs> really? <laughs> Just Everybody. Well, who do it's they like, have to impress? Mostly, Everybody's gone. Mostly Hawkeye and Black Widow. Just like what's well, Hawkeye what is going, is on going there? to be somebody else now. He's not going to be Hawkeye. He's going to be a much you know darker, depressed. Character. Really sounded like you called him Hot Guy. Well, <laughs> he is Jeremy <laughs> Renner. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, some of the other Endgame um, news that we've gotten is that the Russo brothers admitted that in that Endgame trailer, yes, there is some footage. That is not actually in the movie. Right. And they do this apparently for a few reasons. If you've looked up any in infinity of videos on uh, YouTube, there's so many people breaking this down. But this, this is the this is the what's happening in short. They don't want to ruin the surprise of the film. They have all this extra footage. Maybe they were going to use it in the film. Maybe they weren't going to do it. It was like filming all these different endings to the you know last episode of Seinfeld. You never really know what's going to you know really be in there. So they're throwing that out there for Endgame. And I'm really glad you went with Seinfeld for that one. Yeah, well, you know. You know really me. famous finale. So anyway. the uh, the point is what you saw in the trailer, there are certain scenes that you might be deriving opinions about what will happen in the film that might not be there. So everybody's thinking like, oh, well, the spacesuit walk, that was very fam- famous. Everybody's drawing that. Maybe that's not actually in the film. Because if you remember the first Avengers film, had everybody like running through the like Wakanda? What do you mean, Inf- Infinity War? Uh, sorry, Infinity. That's War. That's the yeah. third one. Yes. Okay. So the first Infinity, third Avengers the film. The first Infinity War. First, first part <laughs> of this Infinity duo, third Avengers film, first Infinity. Yeah. There you go. So they're running through like the Wakanda forest, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, some of them were flying, some of them were running. Well, that wasn't actually in. Yeah, that shot's not in the movie. Exactly. So. That shot also has a full-on Hulk in it, right. which is also not in the movie. Right. So who knows? You know, um, we probably have seen some stuff that's got us really excited for the next film. We still have some surprises ahead of us, I guess. You and, want my other reaction to the Avengers trailer? Uh, yes. I, I hope that that's the shot that's not in it because those uniforms are bad. Yeah, I didn't. I do not like those that. Avengers uniforms. Also, because I know like. It's CG is very shaky. Like you can tell that some of them are just wearing like the oh, ping yeah. pong ball suits. I was about to say that. Looks thing, really bad. The thing that's kind of getting me about Marvel is like they were pulling it off at first, but now when you watch Iron Man, you're like, okay, look, they're just putting his head in like a a suit, like it's like a floating head. It's not. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Yeah. The other thing that I think you noticed that uh, you were getting very irate about earlier. <laughs> 
that uh, <laughs> that I know you want to bring up. Oh yeah, that is just urging you. You're revving me up. Can I can I go off just on this? Go for it. Okay, Avengers Endgame. Official runtime, 182 minutes. That is over three hours long. Yeah. Why? Why? None of these Avengers movies yeah. have had so much plot that they needed to be how long they were already. Why is this one three hours long? So they could long? have made it a trilogy, This is ridiculous. Yeah. Who has the time? Who has the time? Marvel Here's the other fans. Thing. Here's the other <laughs> That's thing. who has the time. Like, this is a movie that can actually come out with a three-hour runtime because... They know that the the marketing and the brand is strong enough that people will still give it like an all time opening weekend anyway. It'll make mm-hmm. all the money, so they really don't have anything to lose by having a longer runtime, which usually is avoided so that you can get more showings in. This is going to dominate screens anyway, and one of the annoying things about this three hour runtime is that it's going to require theaters, especially the big chains that are working with Marvel Studios, to put it on more screens, which then pushes out all of the other stuff that's in theaters. And just floods it with Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. So now you get just, it's just this monolith that's going to get dropped into movie theaters and nothing else is going to be able to survive. So it sucks. A couple points here. One, just for all the listeners out there, for the record, it wasn't on mic, but I already made a joke about the Infinity War with my bladder. <laughs> Two. Still made me laugh. <laughs> just, okay. Two, um, they used to have intermissions in films, and I feel like they could do something pretty bold here and have an intermission for this film. It would be pretty cool. They were not going to do it because movie theaters are going to want to put, you know, film after film and stack them and get as much money as possible. Yeah. And if you it's have already a- taking up extra showings because of how long it is, exactly. there's no way they're going to break it up. Although I could see places with one screen, like your Cineramas, right. doing an intermission and being but, actually kind to the movie goer. Right. That would be nice. Well, something depends on this. I don't know how the new digital systems work as well, but like back in the day, you really couldn't on like a reel to reel stop that very well. Yeah. Um I've been in a theater where like the audio didn't work or something. They actually had to like rewind the entire film and start it from the beginning. It was pretty <laughs> annoying. Um the uh the point is though, uh an intermission, could you imagine just like watching this film and then all of a sudden they're like now we're entering the intermission. It's just like Thor in space, like on a ship lounging around. It's not doing anything, just looking at him like tossing a ball up and down or something. And that's the intermission. It's just like, okay, now it's time to go up and visit the lobby and use the restroom and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that would yeah. be great. I would love It'd it if the intermission idea. is just like Groot inside the Soul Stone, just like there you go, playing video games. Exactly. <laughs> so that would be fun. And it would build in a, just a natural dramatic point in right. the movie. Like that's where you kill either Iron Man or Captain America. And then boom, right. intermission you redo what you did at the end of Infinity War again just to mess with it. anyway. Ooh. That's okay. what they should do. One final idea. Uh, the intermission really is just a scene. Like, let's just say Thor has to take a spaceship through space. It's just him and, driving and for it's like just, five it's just minutes. him. You know how like you're like in, in a car and you're just driving and maybe this singing to some music? Yeah. They do that with Thor for like 15 minutes, but at the end of the 15 minutes, oh no, he's attacked in space and the movie starts the again. The movie gets going. Yes. That would be cool. Yes, it would be. If that were the reason why it's three hours, I would be in for that. Yes. Let's okay. move on to uh, a couple other stories. We have some local things as well that I wanted yeah. to get to. Uh, one of which involves dinosaurs or dinosaur rather. Yes, a Sushiosaurus. Sushiosaurus. Named after Sushia Island. I look forward to your letters about how I'd mispronounce that. Um, Sushiosaurus rex is the only dinosaur fossil ever found in Washington State. 
though little history lesson technically they think the fossil started in like california mexico area and then after years like continental drift and it got pushed up and it get, ended up uh, or glacial drift too and it got pushed up ended up on an island in the san juans of washington and why is that important because washington is going to be one of like it's going to be like the 15th state in the united states to have an official dinosaur like state bird, state flower, exactly. state dinosaur. That's what you're saying? Exactly. I think there's only, I counted 14 other states that actually have a official bird or official dinosaur, if you will. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. But bird, birds see are in my head that birds are kind of dinosaurs. Okay, so now they are going to name this after Sushiosaurus. So if you want to, this is the, the left femur. Is it the left femur of this uh, of this dinosaur? Yeah, the old thigh bone. Exactly, and it is uh, the only fossil they found of it. It is now in the uh, Burke Museum here in uh, at the UW in Seattle. Um, cool so museum if anyone ever has a little time. This is the left femur of a theropod, which is a bipedal class of dinosaurs that includes the likes of Tyrannosaurus rex and a Velociraptor, and as you corrected me earlier, not of birds, but an ancestor of the birds. Yeah. Right. It's basically the in Olympia right now. It is in session. Lawmakers are in session, and they are throwing a bunch of other bills out there and apparently it's not a budget season because they are considering bills to make Washington have a designated dinosaur and while there's a there's a part of me that's like eh, but I actually think having a have a state dinosaur is pretty cool and since it is the only one that we found having this as a dinosaur is pretty cool like if we're going to have that one like a tyrannosaurus rex like a more nimble and quick Tyrannosaurus Rex is pretty cool. Can I tell you why I'm against this? Why are you against this? Because, okay, so there's a thing in paleontology um, and other like ancient zoology and things like that where like you quote unquote discover mm-hmm. species and you get to name them whatever you want. Sometimes it's just like a placeholder name that yeah. then when you do further investigation, you realize that like, oh, this isn't a unique species. It's actually this thing that already has a name. So never mind, this name doesn't count anymore. Which is what I fear might happen to our Sushisaurus Rex, which is most likely a Displetosaurus. Yeah. So like, would would they name... We'd have a state dinosaur. Right. And then the name would not make sense anymore if, like, they discovered more about this dinosaur and realized that, like, okay, actually, this this is not a... This is not well, the until they find anymore. other fossils, I guess. Um, the thing about Washington, though, is we do have, um, we essentially have a, a couple faults out there just right off into the Pacific. Mm-hmm. The land is feeding in under the ocean. San, San, uh, the Juan de Fuca fault, I guess I should say, uh, is kind of feeding under. That's kind of feeding a lot of our history down under the earth and kind of cooking just it melting up. Melting it away, bit. yeah. Yeah. And then so it comes up in all of our volcanoes. If we did have dinosaurs, they're probably, you know, gone under there at some They've point. They've been recycled. They've been recycled if if we do have them. Um but I, I get that. I kind of take the opposite approach. Like I don't think they're gonna be able to identify what this is. It's part of a femur of a bone. They'll be like, okay, it's probably that. You might as well have fun with the name at that point. Because who knows? <laughs> like, do you know okay. What about science, sir? <laughs> What about scientific okay. rigor? No, I get it. So, like, Washington, D.C. is one of the 14 um, places I found that actually has an official dinosaur. Do you know what the District of Columbia's official dinosaur is? I have no idea. Capitalosaurus. 
This is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's this kind of like the weird. The like bone fragment is like the size of a fingernail, like. though. Yeah. They have no idea what this is. Could be anything, so they can get whatever they exactly. want. Exactly. They just it's a fossil. Um, a lot of this stuff, like you could totally tell, it's like the college student, like found it, like they know it's this type of thing. So like Maryland's is Astrodon John Stoney, you know. So somebody named Johnston, yeah, was in school and been like, well, we don't know what it is. Uh, it's almost like an encouraging, this might play into your argument, it's almost encouraging not to identify it yeah. so you can come it's up with a cool- encouraging bad science. There's there's a particular family in um, in anthropology that's infamous for this. They're, mm-hmm. they're the leaky family and they've quote unquote discovered a bunch <laughs> of different hominids that they've decided to name after members of their own family yeah. and then refuse to accept that they're definitely the same species as other things that were already discovered. Maybe they're just naming the individuals like they like they know them. No, kind of like the last them, episode of the They're giving Orville. them scientific names and then being like, nope, nope, ours yeah. is different. You can't prove that it's the same without a shadow of the doubt. So we get to keep this name. My my, I just want to say one of my favorite names out of all these, Texas has an official dinosaur. Uh, Plaxiosaurus Jonesy. <laughs> Jonesy. It's Jonesy. That's pretty great. Yeah, so Washington will uh, pretty soon have, well, unless... Some politician's gonna be the one that wants to be like, I'm not, I'm voting against this. Start somehow. calling them now. Yeah, Northwest nerds call. Yeah, for the sake of science. Official dinosaur. Not that there's anything more else more important going on in your life. Speaking of dinosaurs, ooh, is this a baseball transition? Yeah. <sighs> Funko, everybody's favorite Just pop kidding. manufacturer, um, has now named a field. It's named a field in Everett. It is now Funko Field. It is very apt because the Funko name, like the font, if you will, is very baseball-like. Like it looks yeah. really good. I don't know what that's what that style of font is, but it's got that very like swooshy, yeah. like almost like 1930s type branding with the. Uh, again, I'm not good at des- it looks design like terminology. Old yeah, you're more into the sports ball, so you actually knew that the Aqua Sox play at this stadium. That is true. Yeah, okay. one of the uh, one of the feeder teams to the Seattle Mariners, your Everett Aqua Sox minor league team. So they got this for one point one million dollars for a naming right. That seems like a steal. That is a steal. That I was seems actually like a good deal. So also in Seattle, we've had uh, T-Mobile Field. Is it T-Mobile Stadium or T-Mobile Field? T-Mobile Park. T-Mobile what Park. What a fun phrase. Used Isn't to be it? Safeco it really Field. Rolls off the tongue. Safeco Field, now it's T-Mobile Park. Um, they paid the Mariners $87.5 million for the naming rights. I don't know how long that lasts, mm-hmm. but it is $87.5, whereas Funko, who's actually, as a company, is really into like investing, this is where we're from, you know, it's not a giant Seattle or an LA. We're going to do this in Everett, you know, we're yeah. going to do this in downtown Everett, and we're going to make the field, our field, in Everett. This is our town. I love that they've made it like this is our town. They have a lot of pride up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Funko just sounds like a really cool like stadium name out of all of them. Funko Field. Funko Field. Sounds like Funko. I mean, give them a couple more years and they'll probably be making as much money as T-Mobile, right? Sure. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I guess. It's just that the the name, like fields, like ball fields don't really have cool names anymore. I never liked Safeco Field. I didn't really like that name either. T-Mobile Park. People are just going to call it the T. Down in Portland, I don't like the. For tea. a while, Ugh. we had Geldwen. Nobody knew what that was. Apparently, it was a window company. A, oh, I was going to ask if it was like a glass. hair product. No, Geldwen. It was Geldwen Field, 
and it did not roll off the tongue. Although one of my favorites is, I think it's the New Orleans Pelicans. They play in the Smoothie King Center. See, that's good, though. Which is pretty great. That's, that's Attendance is low, but what a great name for the arena. Yeah, but that, that those games sure are smooth. <laughs> smoothie. Yeah, it's smoothie-ish. That's a bad joke. Yeah. But no, Funko, I, that's, I don't know. I just think that's one of the coolest little bits of news to come across. Um, well, what I like- To it, actually name it. And, and it, like I said, a lot of companies have like bad names. One of the companies, and by the way, nobody agrees with me on this, but- Starbucks should have named a sports stadium in Seattle. You'd Stay be with, with me. that one, bud. I know they should have. Careful. They should have gotten the Safeco one, and they would have called it the Coffee Grounds. They should have bought a new basketball arena, and Howard <laughs> Schultz shouldn't have moved the Sonics. Is the real answer to that? That's why no one agrees with you on uh, this. But the Coffee Grounds. This isn't that kind of podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a bunch of sports people are going to be like, like typing ball, and I'm like, well, you're probably right because I don't know anything about that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, Funko Field. I'm going to go to a game probably just because of Funko. And I'm assuming they're going to have I mean, they have to Funko have some stuff. kind of giveaway, right? That's the right. other thing that I'd be interested in. They have to have a free Funko. Right. Some night. Because there were cool Funkos that they were giving away at the Mariner games last year. Um, you remember those Ken Griffey Funkos that they were giving out? Yeah. For his uh, Hall of Fame something, probably. Again, not that type of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting out of my depth here. But those were cool Funko Pops. Like... We are a local company. Yeah. You know, we are very much like that. The guy from T-Mobile seems to be very into the fact, for whatever reason, they're from Factoria. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they definitely make you know they are from Factoria. I mean, you've seen all of, all of the pink. Exactly. Everywhere. I think it's magenta. Is um, it? Is it magenta? I don't know. I don't think it's purple enough to be magenta. I am the wrong person to Hold ask on. about that. Oh. Now we got to Google what... <laughs> T-Mobile's official pink is. And while you do that, I'm just going to point out that I am predicting, sorry, no sound clip, uh, Aqua Socks, is it Webby? Webby the frog, who's their mascot? I think it's like a frog. When you Google it, it's like a frog and a hot dog. Webby the frog Funko Pop. Oh, really? I'm sure that's what's going to, it's got to have to happen. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. That'd be a good one to have. Okay, so uh, according to a quick Google search, it's a shade of magenta pink. So I guess so we're, we're both, both right. Correct. Yeah. That's mm. not as fun. That's unsatisfying. You know what is also not satisfying? To my eye, it's pink. I don't know what to tell you. You know what is sometimes pink and unsatisfying? Wow. D- tell me. <laughs> Space herpes. <laughs> I don't even know what this show is today. This is amazing. I don't, I don't a little bit know. of bizarre okay. yeah, you, science. You got to explain that one, man. <laughs> Space herpes. A little bit of bizarre, uh, uh, bizarre science. Um, what they've been finding out with a number of astronauts, enough of them, they they figured a little bit more than half, uh, going on the space shuttle or the International Space Station doing missions, is that space flight, space travel, seems to awaken dormant viruses. Well, what is the most like one of the most common dormant viruses that we have. Oh, yeah, definitely herpes. Herpes. Yeah. Chicken pox is actually related to herpes. Mm-hmm. So they're finding out that with a lot of astronauts, they they you know seem to be fine on Earth. They don't like over seven percent of Americans have herpes? I think a lot. Um it's one of the most common. It's, it's like, like that super and HPV common. and um so anyway, you go into space, all of a sudden they realize that you have an outbreak and they think there's probably a few combinations for this. If you want, there's a great article on space.com about this, but um, 
spaceflight is stressful. And so they figure maybe one of the things that's going on here is that maybe the mental stress or maybe the physical stress, because, I mean, you are being, like, shot against gravity into space, is somehow causing the body to get stressful and that awakens the virus. Um, chicken pox is another thing which makes me think that um, isn't shingles the thing that's related to that? Like, later in life you get shingles if you have chicken pox? Is yes. that how that works? Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, now you're going to get shingles in space, which is, like, probably one of the worst places to get that. I hear shingles in space. Terrible. Great premise for a hard sci-fi though okay we'll leave that out to our fan fiction out there very realistic okay so according to the world health organization 3.7 billion people under the age of 50 have herpes simplex one which is usually what causes oral herpes Mm -hmm. and uh, that is 67 percent of the global population under the age of 50 okay so 60 60 percent 67 percent 67 percent that's a that's a pretty big chunk 67% 67% of, a lot of people, people. In I mean, space, all astronauts are under 50, right? So that's like that. I feel probably, like that's a pretty good. I don't know. I feel like, like there two out of three. Ones. Yeah, maybe. two out of three astronauts probably has herpes. Just <laughs> if there's any astronauts listening, could you tell us how many people on your this is mission such a weird show today <laughs> had Carmex with them? Okay, that's all I want to know. Um, the only reason I brought that up because it's kind of a, it's a, you know, one, you know. People shouldn't be shy talking. I love that the assumption isn't that people get bored in space and they're all kissing and like (laughs) sharing their herpes with each other. It's like, well, they're all very stressed out, so the herpes is just like, well, presenting itself. They've done some studies on this. I think it is actually interesting that it is, um, it is awakening viruses. So the the study I think is more specifically to dormant viruses. So they also talked about like Epstein Barr, things like that. Mm, So there's other viruses that are in play here, but like Epstein Barr. I'm sorry, doesn't get as many clicks in a headline as space herpes. So that's what everybody's been reading. Definitely got my attention. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty, Um, so stresses apparently take a toll on astronauts' immune systems. So this is just another thing that they're learning about if you go into space. This might be a whole other health consideration out there, like viruses that we have that you may potentially have before you go up there. I mean, they don't even know yet how we're going to even deal with, you know, weightlessness on such a, you know, regular interval going to Mars or something like that, you know, let alone going to Human-sized Mars. Human-sized centrifuges. Yeah, I see, that's what I brought. I brought that up with Stephen Smith with NASA, and I'm like, why, like, you know, in films, you know, yeah, like, they have the, they have them spinning around using the Wait, inertia. Wait, did he say we can't do that? He says, like, we don't have the science down on it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't, I, He's okay. just hedging because he didn't want to say that they have it already. I went to public school. I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah. Okay, but when I was a kid, I was able to swing a bucket with water around and around and that water didn't come out same thing yeah same i'm thing. pretty sure you can go to space and shoot that around and if it's like okay it feels a little light it feels a little he- okay that's just right i'm pretty sure we could figure out how to just have like some space you know i'm i know space there's something buckets. i'm not god we probably sound so dumb this episode but it's hopefully okay. people learn something space buckets space buckets space herpes <laughs> all right well let's 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 get away from uh the headlines now because i think we did it Weird job of it I this episode. If this is your first episode listening to the show, welcome. Thank you for sticking around. Now's it's the all part space where buckets and and herpes from here. Dyer does yeah. reporting. Um, and uh, this week, we we were down in Portland and we went to uh one of the newer nerdy spots down there, and God, what a scene! I loved being there. It has amazing walls just covered in so much nerdy stuff, and the tables are fantastic. If you saw our Instagram post from earlier in the week, then you may or may not 
know which place this is. So without further ado, Dyer takes us down to Portland and the Nerd Out Bar. Matthew and Amber Hunter are a couple cosplayers out of the Yakima, Washington area. But they find themselves visiting Portland a lot, especially with events like Rose City Comic Con or Wizard World, which is why they were in town more recently. Uh, we usually get the beer, um, uh, but if I don't get the beer, then I'll get the Spider Manhattan. I caught up with these two at a bar in southeast Portland. And that drink, by the way, it is a play on words, the Spider Manhattan. The Manhattan is a whiskey cocktail. And of course, Spider-Man is the web-slinging, friendly neighborhood hero from New York. Get it? Spider Manhattan. Now, Matthew's choice of drink might be influenced by the fact that he is dressed up as Spider-Man. And if we're being totally accurate here, Spider-Man 2099. Full cosplay, with his mask on the bar, sitting on a stool, just like any other barfly. Or, I guess in this case, bar spider. I love it. I'm usually not even a mixed drink fan. I usually tend to stick to beer, um, but I definitely will always order it. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't tried it personally, but I've heard people raving about the it's non-alcohol, so anyone can drink it, the butter beer, because it's Harry Potter themed. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. It should be noted that Amber is also dressed up in full cosplay. She came dressed as Spider-Gwen. If I were to go to a bar in this, I would feel extremely uncomfortable. Um, like, it's weird when I come in here in normal clothes. We just feel normal and comfortable here when we come here in cosplay. <laughs> Amber and Matthew, they've been coming here to the Nerd Out ever since it opened nearly 15 months ago. It's a pub. It's for nerds and by nerds, serving all the geeky weirdos of Portland. And last February, I caught up with the owner on a very busy comic-con night so busy that we had to chat outside of course the tv's blaring buffy the vampire slayer also played a bit of a factor in that my name is mitch gillen i'm the head nerd at the nerd out which means i own the place run the place cook the food and pour the drinks and clean the toilets and do a little bit of everything the thing that's impressive at least to me about the nerd outs cocktails is that they don't rely on the gimmick they don't stop at the geeky name you know, for whatever reason, in a bar where cosplay is regularly part of the ambiance and sci-fi movies are playing in the background, that you might not expect to find truly crafted cocktails. I call them spacecraft cocktails because, it, look, there's a lot of pretentious cocktail bars in the area, um, but we wanted them to be fun. Mitch had a lot of reasons and a lot of goals for opening a nerd bar. Portland's Belmont neighborhood, but among them was to offer what he argues is Portland's best Manhattan. That's the Spider Manhattan. You know, uh, one thing that was super important to me is that we've got two whiskey bars on the block um, that pour pretty decent Manhattans, but I wanted to have the best Manhattan. And so we did a lot of experimenting. And now you're probably asking, how does the nerd out? achieve the best Manhattan in Portland. And I'd like to know too, because Mitch is not very forthcoming when it comes to his recipe. Radioactive spiders, that, that's the secret ingredient. I'll tell you that there's vermouth, bitters, and whiskey in there. We've got specific ratios that we use, and um, we use a really, really nice vermouth, is, that's a big one. 
If Manhattans or butterbeer, for that matter, aren't your thing, that's okay. There's also The Dark Knight, which the menu says will have you claiming you are Batman in no time. There's also the Fantastic Four, four liquors mixed in with a little Doctor Doom. Or try the Benedict Cucumber Batch. That's gin, and you can guess the rest. And we might have the best white Russian in all of uh, all of the U.S. Um, well, it's called the Dudabites for, you know, because I'm not a golfer. But uh, basically, we infuse Tahitian vanilla and toasted coffee bean into good vodka for about six weeks before we add it to the rest of our concoction, including Kahlua and cream. We, we infuse six different liquors here and... Yeah, we're constantly experimenting and trying to do fun stuff. Definitely the George Romero. It's like a layered zombie with some secret stuff in there. And then we light the umbrella on fire because everything's on fire in the zombie apocalypse. And people get a good kick out of that. Um, the Adam West, that's our, I mean, that's our take on an old fashioned, which I can't tell you the secret of it, but we just call it a groovy twist. Um, the Red Dead Redeemer, that was, that's been really popular lately which is kind of like a shaken pomegranate spicy margarita, but it was fan-named, like we did a social media uh, contest for someone to name it. What else? I mean, we've always got different ones. The Invader's M. It's like a classic take on an aviation, but we put a couple of limes on it, make it look like ears, and it's super tasty smooth. Mitch can back a punny name with some expertise. He did spend 25 years in the restaurant and service industry before even opening the Nerd Out, which really is a place that is about a lot more than just craft cocktails. It's a place that he argues Portland was long overdue for. I don't want to sound pompous, but we're all out nerd. Like, everyone who works there has to take a three-page test on pop culture. And they don't have to get it 100% right, but they have to prove that they're into something. Um, You can't just be, like, someone who went to see Deadpool, went to Target and picked out a shirt, and you're like, yeah, I'm a nerd. I want to work at this cool place. It's like, no, we want want it to be home. We want it to be Comic-Con where, you know, cosplayers and weirdos and gamers all can come together and, like, you're being taken care of by another weirdo. Now, competing for the best Manhattan in Portland was not Mitch's only motivation. It was also this desire to have a place where judgment was checked at the door. A place for nerds to just really be nerds. Uh, It was a Wednesday and I was sitting in this bar while there was a Timbers game on, I think, or Trailblazers. Um, And I was reading my new comic books. And, you know, I was like the lone guy reading comic books in a bar and kind of getting like snickered at by the bartender and like you know everyone being super loud about sports and I'm like wait there's a million comic shops here you know there's comic publishers here in Portland and Portland's got such a huge nerd culture there's no place it's just like caters to hey go read your comic books and have a bite and a drink you know at the time he wasn't even living in Portland he was working as a restaurant and bar consultant coming in and out of town, spending weeks here, spending weeks there. And at one point, he saw that there was a need in Portland for this kind of bar, his dream bar, run his way. I try and broadcast as much like inclusivity as possible. I mean, we really only have two rules. As long as you're not an 
or a racist, you're totally welcome. I've got a regular who, he's probably 35 years old, and he's a beater. And he's not into comic books. He's not into, you know, action figures. He comes in because we never treated him any different because he sits quietly in beads in the, in the corner, where I guess a lot of places people treated him like a weirdo. We embrace weirdos. We embrace people who are a little different. Or if you've got social anxiety, uh, you know, I come from a time where you got picked on for reading comic books or playing D&D. Now, I guess it's a, with Marvel movies and all being so popular, it's a little more safe. But, you know, I want to make a safe space for everybody. Now, every night is practically cosplay night at the Nerd Out. There's also trivia nights, and you got drink and draw nights. Robbie Rodriguez, co-creator of Spider-Gwen, recently helped out with one of those. There are collectible toys lining all the walls. Mitch's personal collection, though he does admit he keeps the rare and collectible stuff at home. The walls and the tables, by the way, are plastered with pages of old comic books. And it should be noted that no perfectly good collectible comic books were harmed in the making of the Nerd Out. You know, we open up the doors, drop the screen, and people can come and do it and make new friends with other fans, be it Stranger Things or Star Trek or Buffy. Um, Lots of old sci-fi movies or uh, late night we play a lot of, like, B-horror movie stuff or B-sci-fi stuff or superhero movies. It's a place where someone like Colin Stapleton now comes to catch up with friends and hang out. Now, Colin is known around town as the co-host of the worst comic podcast ever. He's also a volunteer with the Hero Initiative, which, if you don't know, it's a nonprofit that is dedicated to helping comic book creators. Like, it's... It's part of my community. So comics is what I've been a part of since I was uh, 13. And, uh, you know, it's been weird because of my age seeing pop culture and nerd culture become mainstream. And, uh, and so when you come to the Nerd Out, you get the opportunity to kind of be in a place that feels like it's believed in that all along that uh, this is not like a run-of-the-mill pop-up hey let's capture the moment sort of place Uh, it's for nerds and so like as we look around the room right now you know there's people dressed up as spider-man 2099 and people dressed up like you know buffy characters and the thing is is that people come here when it's not post-convention time dressed up in cosplay and uh, and i think it's super empowering One thing that you might notice about the Nerd Out is that it is a bit of a destination, especially after a Comic-Con. The Nerd Out is just shy of two and a half miles from the convention center, where most of the mega geek gatherings happen, but people still make the trek to wind down with some tacos, maybe a burrito, and a sonic screwdriver. That's another cocktail here for Doctor Who fans. And Mitch does admit that it leads to a line at times, but luckily there is a nickel arcade just down the street for folks who have to wait. Now, another thing about the Nerd Out that you might notice is that during the day, this is also the kind of pub that you can bring your family to. It has literally the cleanest rest uh, restroom in the Belmont District. Like, I'm an older guy and I'm a dad, and it's always super important to me to find places where I can bring my kids and my daughters 
and so he's got an area where if you're here with your family and your kids are kind of needing a diversion, uh, you can send them to the kids' area, and there's books for them to read, activities. They have coloring books and things, action figures to play with. So it's really a, a, a very warm and welcoming place for families. But at night, it morphs into the neighborhood bar that it has become known for. But actually, it's not just the neighborhood. And you remember Matthew and Amber? They're from Yakima, and yet they still make the effort to stop by here. I, I don't know, the environment, they're so welcoming and friendly, but like you come in and cosplay and they're always just raving like, oh my God, you look amazing, like this is so cool, and it just makes us feel like we're family or something. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite part of the place too. Yeah. There's a little bit of nerd in everyone. And I mean, the community that... I feel like is building and continuing to build at the Nerd Out, like all the friendships I've, I've watched, you know, I've watched people come together who are starting to work on their own comics or their own uh, web series or their own YouTube channels. And I remember the first night that they met sitting at our bar talking about Yosagi Ojimbo or Star Wars or whatever. We're very, very family here. You know, everyone really cares about each other. that I really liked about it when we were down there and I'm sorry if this just sounds like an ad at this point but the place is cool so I'm gonna talk it up Uh, they had Buffy the Vampire Slaying Buffy the Vampire Slayer playing on a projector in the corner and it really was like a sports bar like people walked in they got a they got a seat with a view of the TV it didn't matter what scene it was or what episode it was they're like they settled in they're like cool yeah now I'm watching this yeah what's happening on the game tonight I was like, this is amazing. I've never, I've never seen that before. Like, I've been in my share of, of nerdy bars at this point. Uh-huh. But I've never seen one where people just, like, sidled up to the bar and were like, yeah, now I'm into this episode of Buffy the Vampire. That is kind of part of, part of my, uh, my dream bar is to always have, like, Star Trek on in the background or, like, Serenity or something like that. Yeah, but with sound on so that people can actually watch it. That is, yeah, interesting. Because you can watch a sports game on silent, but you can't watch, like, Buffy right. on silent. Right. The only thing I can imagine that is like the McMinimins theaters in Portland would have like Buffy nights mm. or they'd have other show nights too. But it was like, you know, a theater you can go and get beer and pizza and then you would watch two or three episodes of Buffy that night and go home. But you were doing it with friends that you liked. I mean, like being in a bar is kind of a lot, I don't know, funner, dare I say? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it's More not fun. It's not like being in a theater where like you're just eating popcorn and feeding your face. Yeah. Well, that and it's so much less scheduled. You know what I mean? Like, you know that when you go in, they'll be playing something that you're probably interested in. And you can just go in there, go to the bar, and start watching. Just sit down and start watching. It's exactly like going to a sports bar. Now that we're talking about the nerd out, and we've both been there, Mm -hmm. we have reported on AFK and Everett. We've reported on the Storm Crow in Vancouver, B.C., mm-hmm. these nerdy spots. Now we've talked about the nerd out in Portland, these kind of like nerdy bars. Um, you might hate me a little bit for this. Me or the listeners? You. <laughs> okay. What's up? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Nick Jarin. Oh, no. I thought I escaped the quizzes. You can, um... 
You can cut this out later if you don't want to, because I didn't tell you about this. <sighs> no, you know what? I, we, hold on. Let me close my laptop. Okay. Let's let's do this thing. We didn't do any really. We haven't done any quizzes this season, right? No. We we uh, we limited quizzes almost exclusively to the uh, the end of season two. Okay. And uh, there have been no quizzes in season three, actually, except for uh, Festivus. It was a feat of yeah. Okay. Strength. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, this one is a little bit different. I think everybody can play at home because it's a mix of just nerdy knowledge, stuff we've reported on, um, or related to stuff we've reported on at, uh, at Northwest Nerd here. Um, and it's all cocktail themed. Okay, great. Okay. Um, I got 10 questions and I'm just going to blow through them. Let's do it. All right. Number one, made from whiskey. Amaretto and Mr. Pibb. This cocktail at the AFK Tavern in Everett is small in stature but packs a punch just like the furry space-traveling Marvel character that it is named after. This is multiple choice? No. But okay. it is a... I'm going to go with Rocket Raccoon. You got that correct. All right, yes. Cool. Um, I just want to make sure I wasn't going to step on you giving me the answer before I provided it. The uh, Number two. Prepared in the Dothraki style at the Stormcrow Tavern in Vancouver, B.C., this drink is named after the lover who told Daenerys she was the moon of his life. I was about to say who is Cal Drogo, but I don't have to answer it as a question. Do that. It's just Cal no. Drogo. Yes, that is correct. Number three, this drink was outlawed in the Federation, but that didn't stop Captain Kirk from having a bottle. Bourbon. Wait, whiskey, just in general. See, I had to throw some Star Trek ones in there just to balance this out. I knew you would get Cal Drogo. Romulan Ale is what we were going for. I should have said Romulan Ale. It played such a role in that piece that you did. Number four. The Stormcrow Tavern has scienced this drink together with the strength of Bast and a pinch of Vibranium. It is named after a fictional country in the Marvel Universe and what the Hulk likes to do. So, first word, fictional country. Second word, what the Hulk likes to do. Is it the uh, Wakandan Smash? Wakanda Smash, yes, we will accept that. Very good. Hitchhikers across the galaxy sometimes enjoy this drink which is described to be like having your brain smashed in with a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. I just straight up don't know this one. Okay, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster. Ah. Um, almost like every nerd bar has one, but I was surprised Nerd, nerd Out didn't actually have one. I really enjoyed the names of their cocktails. Best, sir- you know what my favorite cocktail would just break into this at the, uh, at the uh, Nerd Out is? What is? Benedict Cucumber Batch. <laughs> Best served warm and about as twice as potent as whiskey. Klingon captains generally keep a couple barrels of this around to celebrate a victory. Uh, grog. Looking for blood wine. Blood wine. <laughs> yes. God. Named after many tool-wielding time travelers who took on this single name, mm. the AFK Tavern, has a collection of craft drinks numbered after this character. The Doctor. Yes, Doctor Who. They have like the Doctor number 10, the Doctor number 5, all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder which one is best. 
Tom Cruise, Matt Smith, Tom Cruise <laughs> starred along Brian, <laughs> let me say that again, number eight, we're at number eight now, Tom Cruise starred alongside Brian Brown in this 80s film about an up-and-coming bartender who wanted to make it big and won Elizabeth Shue's heart. What is that film? This isn't even a nerdy question, is it? It's cocktail, right? Yeah. Cocktail? Dang it, I thought I would get, <laughs> thought I'd get you with that one. It's a cinephile one. Are you one. kidding me? No, wait, hang on. Cocktail, great soundtrack. Right. Which had that CD. Okay, so a little bit of background. I searched all over the internet for any music that I could find rights to that would match that music for the nerd out when ah, I did that feature, and I, yeah. I couldn't really get it as much as we wanted to. Number nine, we, you and I, Nick and Dyer, yes. drank this Star Trek beer on an episode of Trash Food for Garbage People, named after a criminal organization that commonly runs afoul of the Federation. Hint, it was on the show that ended up having a little recording snafu and never really aired. <laughs> it's the something syndicate. No, I'll, t- I'll take that. Syndicate logger. Syndicate? Yeah. Syndicate counts? Syndicate. Okay. I think it's technically just called syndicate logger. Okay. Um, I thought it was. I thought I was missing like Orion some... Syndicate Orion is what Syndicate. it's named okay. after. Yeah. Okay. You're doing pretty good. Okay. Number ten and final question: The crew of Battlestar Galactica enjoyed drinking bottles of this booze, which I think was actually made in prison camps. It is also a name familiar to the Greek gods. To the Greek gods. Yeah. You know, like in Battlestar Galacta, everything is kind of like Greek. Oh, yeah. You know. The name of the booze in Battlestar Galactica. All I can think of is uh, Dionysus, who was the basically the Greek god of partying. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's anything close to what they were it's drinking. Na- yeah. I don't know this one. Ambrosia. Ambro- ah, man. You know what? That's super obvious now that you say it. Yeah, it was. Well, uh, you got <laughs> whoops. Um, all right, well, that's our cocktail quiz. <laughs> I can't predict that now. I love that music. I haven't heard it in so long. Nick Jaren, you got six out of ten right in our uh, cocked nerdy cocktail quiz of that's the Northwest. D. That's a D. That's a D. I get to graduate. Uh, okay, so I hope you don't hate me for doing that one, but I, I, I mean, couldn't really resist. Honestly, that could have gone way worse. Yeah. Hopefully we went through it fast. Uh, if you played that at home, please do tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us, whatever uh, socials you do. Let us know what score you got. So anyway, thank you for playing our quiz this week, Nick. I don't have a prize for you. Not, not for a D. All right, well... I think that's all we have for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure you go and give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Facebook. Five stars, please. Helps other people find the show. And, I mean, you can still give us constructive criticism if you want to write a review. Just just give us the five stars. That's all I'm saying. Thank you, as always, to the Hoot Hoots for our awesome theme music. Thank you also to Kevin McLeod for the music in Dyer's piece. We will be back next week with the isolated nerd out feature so that it's easier for you all to share with everybody, as well as a roundtable coming up a week from today. So with that, see you next week, nerds. Nerds.